Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChampaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Seahawks fans, wherever you may be, welcome back for another edition of the Seahawks Playbook Podcast. Join your host, Bill Alpstead, and co-host, sports writer and football analyst, Keith Myers, as we talk Seahawks football. Seahawks fans, welcome back to another episode of the Seahawks Playbook Podcast. I'm your host, Bill Alstead, sitting down with co-host Keith Myers, and uh, here to talk draft strategy. Last show, we did a uh, our mock draft 4.0. We kind of went through the draft. This time, we're going to spend a little bit more time talking about what the Seahawks might do at each position that they draft at, uh, why they might move up, or why they move back, why they're looking at certain players in certain spots, et cetera. Welcome in. Yeah, so um, this will be hopefully be a fun show. Um, people will say the Seahawks always move back. It's not actually always true. They've moved up, not early in round one, you know, when I think most people would like them to because there's a player they really, really like there. Um, but they moved up to get Tyler Lockett. They moved up to get, um, you know, some other guys uh, as, they, as the draft goes through, um, usually in rounds two and three. If there's someone who they target, they will go yeah, get them. They moved up for DK Metcalf. Yes, they did. Yeah. Um, and so they will, they will move up to go get a guy. If it's a, if it's a target and they see them falling far enough, they'll be like, "All right, let's move up and get them." Um, and so MSX have you know with um, with all their picks they've got uh, and the, their per chance per chance for. Um, uh, moving down in, in early in round one, um, they're going to have even more. That's a lot of ammunition to move back up into a position to get a certain guy if they want him. They've got 10 picks in this draft, Keith. It's starting at number five. 
And uh, they've come out, uh, you know, more than one occasion and said, you know, we just don't get a chance to draft this high that often, uh, obviously. And there's a lot of players up there we, we like. Um, let, let's talk about pick number five for Seattle. And uh, is there, uh, let's start with the, maybe the easiest answer. Is there a player that the Seahawks would move up for from this spot? I don't think there is simply because they would need a partner. Um, Arizona, I doubt, will give Seattle their quarterback of the future um, at three. And everyone there's else... Been talk, t- there's been talk about Houston, possibly. Oh, man, I would have a hard time believing that just because of um, they're so quarterback needy. And I mean, you really think Davis Mills is the answer? there i I don't but they could ride him another year if they wanted to reach uh the 2024 draft where there are three or uh, two or three quarterbacks that look every bit as good as as this class Mm -hmm. and and they could definitely be up there again they've got a defensive-minded uh coach and demico ryan's um they may elect to go defensive player if seattle wants to come up to two give them a ransom uh drop back to five they could still Mm -hmm have one of uh, Will Anderson or, or Jalen Carter on the board or Tyree Wilson, if they like him. Uh, so there are some options there and potentially something that would move them off too, but not likely. Yeah. I mean, the only reason I see Seattle move off too is if um, Carolina goes young at one and CJ Stroud's there and they're like, you know what, let's do it. He would it. be the let's, guy. He would be the one guy they would move up for. Um, but I still don't see them doing it, even if he is there. Um, I John Snyder will let the draft come to him, and um, he'll be there at five. There are scenarios, though, at five, Keith. Let's talk about five. There are scenarios where C.J. Stroud's off the board, where um, Richardson's off the board, where Will Anderson's off the board, and let's just say uh, Levis is off the board. And you've got a situation where the only remaining players that would even be potentially picked at five would be um, Bryce Young, uh, Christian Gonzalez, Tyree Wilson. Jalen Carter. Jalen Carter. And so you've got a a less than optimal situation for Seattle there Mm -hmm. at that point. Let's talk about the less than optimal situation at five, if Seattle is faced with those players available, what do they do? Well, if that's the, I mean, um, if that's the group, somebody like Atlanta is going to want um, Young. And you trade back with with Atlanta, you get some extra um, ammunition for later in the draft, and you let them have Young. Because I, I don't believe in Young as an NFL um, quarterback because of his size and I can he play absolutely but you look at um you know what Arizona's gone through with their quarterback who's of a similar stature but more athletic and still can't stay healthy and uh that's kind of what I think you're getting into if you uh go the Bryce Young route and I would prefer if Seattle didn't do that yeah so and what uh, do you think about other prospects like Gonzalez or Tyree Wilson at five if Seattle is pressed to make those picks? Wilson isn't really a scheme fit for Seattle. He's a 4-3 defensive end. That's um, very true. He doesn't, and basically he's like um, uh, Daryl Taylor, uh, where he's 
not he he doesn't play moving backwards in coverage and doing the outside linebacker things well enough to um justify that but he also isn't big enough to come up and play the five tech um in a three four scheme so he's kind of a guy without a position in this defense and that's what tyree wilson would be uh for seattle so i don't like that gonzalez is a really high-end like elite prospect but seattle taking a corner at, at uh five when they've never taken a corner before around like late in round three was the or is the earliest they've taken a corner even if it's a guy that can be really good i don't just i don't see that pete carroll valuing um any one player there when michael jackson did a great job last year and then um, you've got carter which is obviously uh potentially off the board now they're going to do their due diligence i guarantee mm-hmm. you they're working on it like you know, he's in play still but we just don't know. It seems from an outside uh, perspective, outside observer, that he would be off their board. But you just mm-hmm. don't know because those interviews are crucial. And, and all the things we talked about, not just the accident situation, uh, but the way that he showed up to the combine, the way that he had his pro day, major red flags to an outside observer again. Now, there could yeah. be some inside information there that paints a different picture. We just don't know. Um, um, Frank Clark comes to mind though. Most people thought that Frank Clark was not on Seattle's draft board at all. Um, and they went and got him. Now, part of the reason why they went and got him was because he was a top 10 talent available in round two because of all of his off field stuff. And so it's like, yeah, it was, you know, not a popular pick for obvious reasons, um, for his off field stuff, but you were still getting an elite player in round two instead of round one. Now you're talking about taking a guy at five. Okay. Like, so let's talk about uh, trading down. You mentioned a trade down with Atlanta to eight. Mm-hmm. Uh, if, if we do that trade, what can we expect in return compensation wise and who's available at, at that spot that we would take? So if you trade down um, to eight, uh, you're looking at, guys that um well as far as compensation you're looking at a second round pick to move down uh those three spots and so an extra uh pick in the top 50 or or 60 top 60 yeah yeah so that that's highly um valuable as far as moving down into that range you're looking at um you know maybe a joy porter jr cornerback which again if you were i guess you moved down um, so you get an extra pick. And so then taking the cornerback isn't as like, it doesn't hurt as much. Uh, Lucas Van Ness, who's, um, you know, one of your defensive ends, the guy that we said that uh, Tyree Wilson wasn't because he wasn't big enough for. Um, maybe you were gonna, you're, you're moving down to piss off every Seahawk fan ever and get um, uh, Bajon Robinson, the running back out of Texas. <laughs> that would be crazy. But, you know, according to everybody, uh, and with you use your own eyes, he's the best prospect on, on the board, maybe at that spot. What if a guy like uh, that you passed on earlier, Jalen Carter, uh, for obvious reasons, now you picked up a second round value and he's sitting there at nine. Does he, does that make it any different? It does. It does. Because, um, you know, the, uh, Malik McDowell situation is, is a great context for looking at this with Seattle, where they took a guy that they knew had some off-field stuff, um, but his on-field play was enough to overlook it. 
and then it it burned them because he got in that accident and ended up losing like 40 pounds and you know was uh never played it down for for seattle if you move down and you get another pick in the top 55 um you can take a guy like jalen carter and not feel like it's a complete waste if he um washes out because you've got the other player that you picked too um and so it ends up making more sense because you can still get something out of you know that number five draft pick um because you got both him and another player now and so i I think it does give you the uh the ability to take a little bit more of a risk because you've got basically that other pick is like a fallback. You, you won't just be losing out on everything like they did with Malik McDowell. So to me, there's a couple of wild card picks. Um, if, if we do that, say we drop, you know, into the nine to 11 range, there are some players like Peter Skaronsky that's listed as a tackle that Seattle might view as, as a guard, a perfect fit at a right guard, for example. Uh, it, it's slightly early, early to take a guard in, in the draft. But again, if you've picked up some capital, they might be able to do that. That's one of the positions that you might look at. Wide receiver, uh, Najigba is, is there, Quentin Johnson. Uh, another name I'll mention that I think they would be enamored with would be Nolan Smith, um, the edge player out of Ohio State. Um, slightly early to take him, but when you're looking for a player and you know he's going to be in that range and they value, their big board says these players, there's 15 players that they've got first-round grades on. He's one of them. They'd go get him. Yeah. Um, the, another player that if if they move back into that range that I think uh, would surprise a lot of Seahawks fans if they took, but I think believe would be in play would be Quentin Johnson, um, the wide receiver out of TCU at 6'3", um, with incredible downfield speed. Uh, basically, he's, you know, uh, DK Metcalf Jr. Um, yeah. And in... I mean, and that's not that's not a downgrade on him because Metcalf is like huge, but um, basically he's an elite, tall receiver with incredible long speed um, and great hands. In my mind, the best receiver in this draft class, and to put him opposite Metcalf, move Lockett into the slot, and you know just have those three options would be incredible for Geno Smith in the offense. So if they move down into that range, that might be the pick. The biggest tournament in college basketball is underway, and the action is just getting started on DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps. Right now, new customers can bet just $5 on any pregame Moneyline bet and score $150 in bonus bets if your team wins. Plus, combine multiple bets for a shot at even bigger payouts. DraftKings will be featuring parlays and odds boosts all tournament long, so be sure to check the DraftKings Sportsbook app every day to see what they have in store. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and sign up with code TPPN. Right now, new customers can bet $5 in any pregame Moneyline bet and get $150 in bonus bets if your team wins. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code TPPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Yeah, everyone's thinking Seattle's going to go defensive line here because that's where the obvious need is. That's where the most improvement we're looking for is in the offseason. But we don't have a third wide receiver. We don't have a third wide receiver. Uh, Tyler Lockett's not getting any younger. Love Tyler Lockett. He's probably going to have another 1,000-yard year. Great for him. But, you know, 
we've only got two legit wide receivers on this roster. Let's go get the third one and have those weapons. I, you know, I wouldn't be opposed to that pick for sure. All right. Let's um, talk about pick number 20. Yeah. So you were, you mentioned defensive line. Um, uh, this is other than Carter and Anderson um, at the top, the guys that will be in play at five, this isn't a great defensive line draft in round one. Um, and what I see is that when you get down to 20, you've got a couple of guys that will be absolutely in play. Um, one will be Brian Breesey out of Clemson. And the other one will be um, uh, Kalijah Cansey out of Pittsburgh. Um, Cansey draws a lot of Aaron Donald uh, comps because he's from Pittsburgh and short um, and very explosive. Uh, I don't, I think that's, that's doing Cansey a disservice because if you're trying to compare him to compare anybody to Aaron Donald, then they're not, they're not going to look good in that comparison. So, um, but I, he, that's what people are talking about with him. Um, Breesy's a bigger guy, uh, more of a nose tackle, but uh, both are very, very good players who um, would be an instant upgrade on Seattle's defensive line. I think there's two players that uh, Seattle stays at five, four, and that would be CJ Stroud and Will Anderson. Um, I really do see them moving off if, if those players are not there. Same thing can be said for 20. 20, uh, they, can, they can drop back five or six picks and pick up an a, a, a early third-round pick um, mm-hmm. for, for doing that. And I do see them kind of moving around in this area. They could also move up if they wanted to. Um, there's a couple other players that, that might be in play. Um, at, say, pick 26, 27 would be Mozzie Smith, a guy yep. that... Um, everyone's kind of projected or you see a lot of mock drafts. He's there at 37 in the, in reality, a guy that's, you know, on uh, Feldman's freak list at number one overall there for a reason guys covet that he's 237 pounds um, and can move three, around and play like a three, tech. 337, pounds. 337. Yeah. And so a guy like that, it just does not grow on trees. And so you, it, this, this is the point in the draft where you kind of go get guys, you might reach a, a hair or whatever, but at the end of the day, you got the player that you want. Uh, Dewan Jones is a player that they've had a, a private uh, 30, um, pro, one of the 30 visits that they've got um, for draftable players. He's one of those guys, uh, the huge offensive tackle at six, eight, 300 and however many pounds are there um, any with guys a, with a 90 inch wingspan are there any guys at 20 though that just like you said at five there's two guys that they that they would stay for um and not move back are there guys at 20 that if yeah. they're there you absolutely I, yeah i do them? i i think so well i think that you'd take nolan smith i'd mentioned him moving up possibly and in, in taking him at 11 or whatever but if he's sitting there at 20 I think mm-hmm. uh, that um, they may become enamored with Brian Breesey just from his grit perspective and, and overcoming adversity and the upside that he provides there. Kalijah Clancy Clancy might be a, a guy that they're enamored with, even though he's short in stature. He's a tenacious guy um, and, and a great player. Maybe they like uh, a guy like Zay Flowers or something, or Quentin Johnson falls to them at, at 20. Um, there are a few, really. I mean, it gets really interesting as far as... Um, player fits there um, and just overall big board value. There's, there's, there's a lot to like. The guys I was looking at, at in that, answering that same question would have been uh, Lucas Finesse out of Iowa, who I think is going to go you know, I like 10, him as a 10, 11, 12, somewhere in there. Um, I think if he happens to fall to 20, I think they run to the podium for that one. Um, 
And other than that, the other guy is if they, it would be Anthony Richardson, the quarterback out of Florida. Um, because if they, if they go defense up at the top of the draft, everybody knows they need a quarterback. And Anthony Richardson is such this crazy prospect of athleticism and um, speed, power, size, arm strength, everything. But you, you got to, he's not ready. To, you got to teach him. How to, you're right. But he's, he's not ready. Right. You have to have Gino for the next two. Exactly. Years. Right. And so um, I, I could see them just saying, you know, that's too much to pass up. That's a potential franchise quarterback and not having to pick in the top 10 to get him. Would you um, do the same thing with Will Levis? Oh, if Will Levis is sitting there, that's no brainer. Um, Will Levis is by far the better prospect. Um, and like Will Levis today, should, today, today. right, right now. Um, and has like a, immense upset. Now he's not going to be the running quarterback that um, Richardson is because Guys like Richardson um, are, are incredibly rare. I mean, the last uh, person to come out of the draft with his kind of athleticism was Cam Newton. And, um, you know, so so that's different. But Will Levis is a better prospect. He's um, he's much more advanced in terms of being able to read defenses. He's um, got a he's more accurate. He's um, more poised in the pocket. He just has um, a lot more ready to go than we've, than Richardson. We've talked a lot about Quentin and and we'll get on to the next picks. Um we've talked a lot about Quentin Johnson being favored by us and and, mm -hmm. and projected in mock drafts that we've done recently. But what about Najigma um from Ohio State, kind of a slot guy, um, but ran like a four five two forty at his pro day, not quite as uh agility wise testing and straight line speed where you wanted him to be, but he gets the job done on, on tape for sure. How about a guy like that? See a guy that gets the job done, but doesn't move the needle. Um, you find has a harder time getting the job done at the next level because now you're playing against cornerbacks that are more athletic than you. Can you still, can you still get separation when the guy is quicker and faster than you are? Um, and I, I don't know. I, I tend to not lean in that direction. I would rather go get Jordan Addison, um, who is um, yeah. much, much more explosive, more an elite prospect, even though if he's smaller, but you're still talking about a slot guy. Um, Jordan Addison um, is going to be an elite slot receiver. Uh, at, tw at pick 20, is there a player that you would literally throw your shoe at the TV? uh because they picked him like just a shocker just a like out of the left field unbelievable this is crazy honestly kylie ringo yeah i can see pete carroll fall in love with that profile yeah. but he's not a great corner as far as his coverage skills are concerned. his ball his ball skills are, are are bad but he's he's a great athlete but his he um he doesn't get his head around. He does. He's in position, but the guy makes the catch anyway, far too often, and I I hate that. Um, so I would I would probably throw I'd throw my shoe at a TV um, over that one, um, <laughs> or maybe um, I could know, see a, a, a sneaky guy like Zay Flowers sneak up there. Yeah, but this is, that's the thing is I wouldn't throw my shoe for that. Um, who's the other? Who's the the giant offensive tackle out of Ohio State? Um, yeah. 
Yeah. Bro, uh, uh, not Broderick Jones. Um, oh, the other remember. one. Uh, da, 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 da. Paris. Dewan Jones. Dewan Jones? Dewan Jones. Okay. Yeah. Um, I don't know what I was thinking. Yeah. Um, who's like 360 pounds uh, offensive tackle. I'd probably throw my shoe uh, at a TV for him. Not that he's a bad player. It's just Seattle's got both their starters at offensive tackle, and neither of those guys need to move inside. Um, so you're taking a using a first round pick on a guy that probably won't play because yeah, or you, or plays on the outside, and you'd have to kick your one of your best right tackle prospects in the entire NFL over into the um, on the inside. Yeah, because um, Jones can't move in, like he's not a guy that's going to move inside. Right. He's going to be a tackle, um, and so I I just I would hate that pick. The the one pick I would hate it would be Emmanuel Forbes. Um, uh, people have him projected to go into the back end of the first round, early second round at six one, one hundred and sixty six pounds. Yeah, the guy runs a four three five, but come on, uh, there's a spot for him in the NFL, I think. But I just I can't, I don't want that. I don't I I just don't want that. Okay, so okay, Seattle then picks at uh, thirty seven overall. The pick from Denver. Mm-hmm. Um, 37 is an interesting spot. Team could go a number of different ways. There's certain players that are still on the board, um, that, that I think Seattle runs up, uh, to the, to the podium for Zay Flowers is one, Oty- Osiris Torrance, possibly, mm-hmm. um, a guy like Darnell Washington, that the big, huge tight end from Georgia might be in play. Jalen Wyatt, a wide receiver from Tennessee, Mozzie Smith. Obviously we've talked about Mozzie Smith a lot on this show as a mm-hmm. defensive tackle, just a, a athletic freak at that spot at 334 pounds. Um, how about, how are you feeling about pick 37? Is that a spot where Seattle could move up to grab a guy that's falling at the back end of the first round or early second round? Maybe they, they take that pause in the draft between rounds, come back the next day, move up for a player they, or, or trade, trade back. I think you could, because I think if you have a guy like, um, uh, Bajan Robinson um, fall, which I would call it falling, but everyone else would, um, you know, a running back and he, and nobody takes him, which would be smart because you don't take running backs early in around one, um, but he's available there and you could move up to 33 or actually if he's, if he, you're dropping and you're looking at pick 32. So rather than waiting overnight and whatever, you're looking at that last pick of the first round and you're like, if we move up and take him, there then that gives us that fifth year option plus a franchise tag that gives you six years of team control on a rookie contract which is usually about what running backs that's their lifespan you never have to give them a second contract and you get an elite player um i have have another player for you michael mayer so nobody's talking about michael mayer as as a prospect i just don't hear a lot of buzz about him as a as a tight end is his testing numbers are average at, That's at why he's an he, do? he's, he does, does he do everything, well? but he, he does everything pr- pretty strongly. He's a good blocker, one of the best blockers in this draft. He also catches the ball, moves the chains. He's a chain mover. Uh, he's not an elite in the red zone because of his size, um, but he just does everything really well. Um, I and people are going to love him. He interviews well. He's a leader. He's a captain on you know Notre Dame's uh, offense, etc. Why would you take him in round one though? What what's special about name him? me a projection that has him going anywhere else? I, I 
I'm not saying that. I'm, <laughs> I'm saying convince me that those projections are right. Yeah. Um, he's not a, I'm not saying he's a bad player. Good player. Um, love to have him in a Seahawks uniform, but I'm not using a first round pick on a guy that's um, good, but not great or yeah. great, but not special. Uh, um, and, and just doesn't have that upside. Um, if he falls a little bit and he's there at 37, or if they've picked up a pick somewhere in the forties, sure. Take him, go for it. Uh, but I'm not taking him out with a first round pick. So, okay. So what's your best, uh, what's your, your best, um, overall scenario at 37 for the Seahawks? Mozzie Smith. Mozzie Smith. Yep. Um, if Smith is gone, Osiris Torrance, and if Torrance is gone, I'm reaching a little bit to get John Michael Schmidt Mm, out of Minnesota. To make sure Um, you get him. To make sure you get it. He's worth getting. He's worth, um, he's worth that using an earlier pick than you think you might in order to make sure you get the best center in the draft. Could have done this a couple of years ago. Um, so at 52, let's, let's go to 52. The second pick, our native pick in round number two. Uh, there seems to be a lot of options depending on how the board falls. We could have had a, a, taken a quarterback at this point, interior defensive line, uh, an edge rusher, linebacker might come into play cornerback. There's a lot of ways you could go. If you didn't take a, a, a quarterback early and Hendon Hooker is sitting there at 52, that could be up in play, I think, for the Seahawks as a guy you could sit for a year. In fact, that might be the ideal situation for both Hendon Hooker and the Seahawks uh, to have him go there and sit behind Geno Smith for a year. Yeah, um, that's definitely, he would definitely be in play there if they don't go quarterback early. If they don't get Schmitz um, or before this, uh, Steve Avila, um, the center out of TCU, should all definitely be in play. Um, he's the second best center in this draft. Um, Jack Campbell, the linebacker who is just that old school, um, Mm -hmm. you know, super tough thumper middle (laughs) linebacker who just is a tackling machine and, and makes people pay, um, for getting in his space. Uh, Zach Charbonnet, the running back would be an interesting one at that spot, um, Mm -hmm. because that would give the sex the, the depth they need, um, there. And then there's some, um, defensive linemen that are in there in this area too, such like, um, Tuli, Tuli, uh, wait, Tuli, Tui Piloto, low two. Yeah. <laughs> I screwed that Not up. A US, USC. Yep. Um, uh, who I think that would be a good fit there. Um, uh, at a barway out of Northwestern, I think he's going to go before that, but if he drops mm-hmm. in there, you've got to go after a guy like that. Um, yeah, know, why? I mean, really yeah. athletic, super athletic edge out of uh, Georgia tech. And then a guy that, and then um, Julius Brents, who's a cornerback slash safety slash mm-hmm. everything, um, super athlete, can play free safety, has the speed to do all all of the free safety things, the size and agility to play corner, can play slot, play outside, and play free safety. Um, just kind of an uber athlete, and I think he would also be in play in that range. I think they're really going to like Cody Mock, uh, the interior offensive lineman out of North Dakota State. Yeah. Uh, Keanu, Keanu Benton, the defensive lineman, if they miss out on Mozzie Smith or uh, Jalen, they pass on Jalen Carter, Keanu Benton would mm-hmm. be a guy that they would look at in this range as well. Um, Tyreek Stevenson, the um, cornerback out of Miami. Uh, Derek Hall, the edge player, got a lot of speed there. Um, yeah, Julian Brents. DeHalen Henley, 
linebacker out of Washington State, Keith. Um, it's not going to be there. Not going to be there at eighty three. Nope. You draw. You you pick at fifty two. Um, there could be some movement there between those those picks. Mm-hmm. Seattle may may move up a little bit. May move back. They could move up from eighty three though to go target somebody at seven in the seventy range if somebody's falling. To Halen Henley might be a player like that. Joe Tipman, if they miss out on Schmitz, they still mm-hmm. need a center. He's a little bigger at, th- at 325 pounds, but nonetheless, Luke uh, Weipler, another uh, uh, center prospect from Ohio State in that 70 range, might not be there until 83, too early to pick at 52. They might be uh, some maneuvering in there. Yeah. What would what would be what would be your strategy? How would you address that? You you, be, you start with 10 picks. You don't necessarily need more than 10 to finish the draft, but maybe you do. Uh, 10 is kind of the ideal number. Um, But I would, I don't know. It depends on what happens at the top of the draft. Because if, if, um, if the two guys that you want at five are gone and you move down and you pick up a couple extra picks at this point, okay, that means you didn't get what you wanted at the top of the draft. You need to get what you want here in the middle um, in the second and third round. And so using those extra picks that you got to move up and get a guy that you really like that you don't want to see drop below, you know, you know, and get a guy like Keon white at edge or Julius Brent's at cornerback, Cody mock at, at center guard. Um, I would move up then. Cause like I said, 10 is kind of the ideal number, maybe 11. Um, but you don't want 12, 13 because you don't have, you typically don't have that many spots on your roster. And while not necessarily every draft pick that you take, you're going to get them into camp and be like, wow, this completely exactly what we what we wanted um you're also going to have undrafted free agents in there too so uh i would say if you get the 10 11 range you're good if you've got more picks than that use them to move up find a guy if there's a guy that's that's falling just a little bit and you don't think they're going to fall quite to your next pick move up and get them yeah that's what they did with a dk metcalf and was very wise to do that so they've got a pick in the third round at 83 and they've got a pick at 123 overall um, there's a lot of prospects in this range that that feel feel needs. You're possibly not looking at somebody that comes in and immediately starts, but you're looking for somebody that's going to be able to make your roster as well as play special teams uh, at a high level and be a, a, a nice rotation piece. So you're looking at the linebacker, you're looking at safeties, maybe wide receiver. Um, are there any other spots into your line, offensive line and defensive line as well? Running back. There's a, Running um, back. Sure, Ken, that's a great spot. Kendra Miller, Tank Bigsby um, are in this range. Uh, two guys that I that I like at running back to come Rashawn in. Rashawn Johnson, yeah. Rash- I mean, obviously, yeah, Rashawn Johnson too. Um, maybe Chase Brown if he drops, if you're looking for um, a guy with that athletic profile. Um, yeah. Some people will say uh, Devin Arcane. I think he's too small, yeah. but. Um, but yeah, I mean, th- this is a good running back, um, range. And I think at 83, um, that's positional value because you're getting a guy that, um, can make an impact on your team in year one, but you're not overspending on a running back. That's going to wear down after a year or two. Yeah, definitely. Guys like, uh, Byron Young, the, the Tennessee, um, 294 pound, um, and, you know, in a 3-4 would be a, a guy that they would look at. A guy like Darius Rush, a, a bigger corner uh, from South Carolina, would be in play. Taiji uh, Spears, uh, second running back, uh, might be available. 
um, in, in this range. Uh, a guy like Tanner McKee, a quarterback, Keith, if they miss out on Hendon Hooker, if they miss out at the top of the draft, they still want to add a player that they can evaluate on their roster in 2023. Would they take a look at a Tanner McKee? Yeah, I mean, they might. I wouldn't. Um, this is a, in this range in, in the third round, you're looking at, at getting guys that can, can come in and start and play. Um, and going and getting your third string quarterback isn't helping your roster I know. win. I, I agree. I thought I'd raise the, the thing, but I agree with you. I just don't, I think it would be a waste. I think it waste would be a waste. Pick. So, um, so, okay. So now strategy wise, how do you fill out the rest of your roster? Well, and then after that, I think you at, at this point, you're looking at um, highest upside, right? Cause you've taken, you've got your five, you've got five or six players that you think are going to come in and, and, compete and make an impact on your roster in year one. Um, after that, you're looking at upside, you're looking at athleticism, you're looking at guys that, um, you know, maybe there's a hole in their game, but you can coach it and, and, and fill that in. Um, you know, Treek Woolen is kind of the ultimate example of that where UTSA, right. Um, and was where he's coming out of. And everyone's like, well, he doesn't even know how to play the position, but he was so athletic that they couldn't keep him off the field. Um, you know, mm-hmm. right from the very first preseason game. And, you know, now then you go, you know, you go down from there. You, the kid, you don't have to look for that extreme of an example, but guys that can, can make that impact maybe in year two um, and come in, uh, yeah. or, you know, that that's kind of what I'm, what I look at there. There are a few players that, that don't fit that mold in these later rounds that um, I would still take a um, guy like Michael Wilson, um, wide receiver mm-hmm. out of Stanford because he could come in and be your third or fourth wide receiver um, on day one and be and therefore make an impact. So it's kind of like what you were what we were talking about with earlier picks. Um, but yeah, I'm looking at I'm looking at hot, super high upside and it might be high upside, low floor, right? A guy that could come in and either he's going to hit and be great or he's not and he's going to fall completely off your roster. Zach Koontz, the um, I love that out of old, guy. Out of I, I'm Dominion. falling in love with that prospect as yep. as a guy that if he's there at 151 or even 123, um, that's something that Seattle will do. Even though they're loaded right now at tight end, you're you're kind of drafting at at this range. You're you're drafting for your future as well. Mm-hmm. You're you're filling out your roster. You're getting yourself some depth for this year, but you're not you're not getting guys that you expect to. Um, start week one and make a huge impact. You've got those guys. You've done that. Now you're looking at guys that um, can make an impact on special teams in year one, can be a backup, maybe come in later in the season if there's an injury and make an impact then, um, but definitely has the upside to be a really good player in year two or year three. Uh, that's what you're That's what you're looking for here. Drafting guys with middling um athleticism in these mid to late rounds day three picks i think is kind of a waste because you're getting guys that don't have the skills and athleticism to play now but they've also don't have the upside to play later so what are you getting you're getting okay you're getting a back of the of the roster guy who will never improve um and never improve enough to make an impact on your on your as a starter so i think you've got to go um athletic guys down in this range and for the most part that's what john snyder has done he's gone with the more athletic um players in the late rounds because you know he kind of uh 
has the same uh, mindset where why are you drafting a guy if you don't think that down the road he can become a starter for you? I agree. Yeah, he does that. And and it seems to work out. I mean, last year's a great example. Um, yeah, I, I like all sorts of players in this. In this, You know, we've been playing around with um, learning about the prospects and going through mock drafts and evaluating um, position groups for a long time now. And there's just, a, there is a lot of talent here. You just have to be in a position to, to, to find it. Um, Bryce Ford Wheaton is a, is a high upside uh, guy. Jackson Kirkland, uh, the, the tackle from Washington, it'd, it'd be a great fit on somebody's team. Jalen Redmond had an outstanding uh, combine uh, showing uh, extreme athleticism at the defensive line position. Daniel Scott, the safety out of California, is a great uh, pick. Somebody's going to fall in love with Ricky Stromberg and the way that he uh, has the tenacity and the grit there in the center uh, position. Um, Dorian Thompson-Robinson is a, is a prospect that I think is going to go higher than some people expect. Uh, there's a lot of uh, talk that he's going to be available in, in the sixth round. I don't think so. I think he's going to end up going in the fourth or fifth round in this draft. We'll see. I um, think he's, he's he's old enough, and there's a. I mean, that's a he's like what a six year starter, uh, and four <laughs> four and a half of those years are are right. are, are bad. Um, and then you know he came on and played really well this last year, but he's also not a young prospect by any yeah. means. And since since so. Bennett, same. I I hear rumors that he's having a great off season and private works out workouts as well as the pro day um at at georgia and um that's a guy that's moving up jose ramirez the edge player out of michigan had a fantastic combine uh is available in the 200 range um jared clark big huge defensive lineman out of coastal carolina um is one dimensional as a player strictly a run stuffing nose tackle uh, type guy if he was in a three four or in a four three, he would be you know one of your you know interior guys playing zero to one nose uh, tech, and um, so you can get guys like that. Cameron Young, the tremendous upside as far as athleticism is concerned out of Mississippi State. That's you're right. Those are the type of players you're looking for to fill out the mm-hmm. back end of your roster and play special teams, make your uh, roster hopefully, and uh, if not, practice squad type guys. So, anything else you want to talk about today? Um, well, is there anyone out of these late picks that we're talking about right now that you think that if they're still sitting there in round seven, you have to take them because you don't want them to reach undrafted free agent status where Mm. they could go anywhere? Like absolute priority guys. Wow. Interesting. Yeah. There's one guy. Let me see if I can find him. Hold on. Like a guy like um, Trey Palmer, the wide receiver out of Nebraska, or Yaya Diaby, you know, started out in, in, in the seventh round range. I think he's moving up um, because of his combine. But he, if he drops for whatever reason, the guy like that would be outstanding. Um, boy, seventh round range. Interesting. De- DeMarco Halems, the safety out of Alabama. Just comes from a great program as a strong safety. He's going to be a, an in-the-box safety for you. Uh, that would be interesting. 
Jose Ramirez is an interesting guy, Eastern Michigan, um, just has all the athleticism in the world, a little undersized. Jared Clark, a big, huge guy. I wouldn't mind having him come out of the draft for sure. Um, There's a couple of guys that are viewed in this range that um, uh, Gerard Clark out of Coastal Carolina at defensive yep. tackle um, yep. and um, Cameron Young out of Mississippi State at defensive tackle and Drake Thomas, linebacker out of NC State. All of these are guys that are viewed um, in this late seven or undrafted free agent range. If they're there um, and you've got a pick near the end of the draft, I take them because I don't mm-hmm. want, I don't want them getting to, um, I don't want them getting to undrafted free agency where they're going to go sign with someone else. I want them in my camp um, because yeah. I think they can make a ro- I think they will make a roster. Um, That's the benefit of having that pick two thirty seven right close to the end of the draft. You know, yep. it's, it's a, it's a flyer. You're taking a flyer on a player. Your, your most favorite undrafted rookie free agent player you can take there. Yeah. Someone who you think, okay, they're going to, they're most likely going to be an undrafted player, but there are traits that they have things that they do well, that are going to be good enough to, they're going to make a roster. Go grab them. Yeah. And can you go grab them there. I could um, also see Seattle trading that pick. Just trading it for a future sixth round pick. I mean, or, yeah, stuff like stuff like that. Depending on what they did, be you know earlier, mm-hmm. they they walk out of the draft with eleven or twelve players. They don't need that pick necessarily. They could they could you know apply it towards the future. Yep, agreed. Interesting. All right, let's get out of here. Uh, find Keith on Twitter at Myers NFL. You can find me at NWC Hawk. The show is at Hawks Playbook. Favorite podcast platforms and YouTube. Hit that subscribe button. All that good stuff. Until next time, go Hawks. Seahawks Playbook Podcast listeners, thanks for joining us for another edition of the show. You can find us on Twitter. Bill is at NWSeahawk. Keith is at Myers NFL. And the show is at Hawks Playbook. You can listen and subscribe to the show at SeahawksPlaybook.com. Podcast Network. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.